The Monster and Humanity, the frozen voice of the creature. Welcome to the Monster and Humanity podcast. I am proud to announce that this is our first episode. We hope you enjoy the enthralling story we wish to reveal. In a rare outcome of luck, we have obtained the written manuscript of Captain Robert Watson's first-hand account of the tale of Dr. Frankenstein and his creation. After Captain Watson had returned to England, broken over his failure to reach his goal, the British government created a fleet of legendary proportions to go look for the remains of the creature to ensure its demise, yet also for scientific curiosity. As we had expected, the charred remains of a horrific beast were discovered. No human could have been so large of proportions. Curiously, a few meters away from the horror, we discovered buried in the ice a small wooden box containing the creature's final will. The remains of the horrific beast and his will were transported back to London to be carefully analyzed and studied by the Royal Society. We are extremely proud to have access to not only the beast's written words and the manuscript of Captain Watson, but we also have in possession a newly discovered rant hidden in the labs of Dr. Frankenstein before he adventured into the frozen wastelands of the Antarctica. These three accounts will be read and explored in today's podcast. But even more so, I am very excited to announce that Captain Watson will be making an appearance in a future episode of our podcast to give us perspective on what we had heard and to reveal once and for all the voice of the creature. Before we dive into our beginning topic, I think it would be wise to tell you the ultimate message we wish to conceive you, dear listeners, listeners of. As homo sapiens and members of civilized society, one of the deepest parts of our desires, in a way, is our voice. It is our want for love, approval, and respect. One may also say that any sentient being would desire such aspects of life. What you listeners will learn is that when such crucial aspects of being human are ignored and deprived of, we may soon realize our violent tendencies and inner rage arise to create atrocity and despair. Through the suicide account of the creature, the final bitter words of the Dr. Frankenstein and the perspective of the dear Captain Watt Watson, we reveal the creature's lost voice, his inability to have his desires of love and acceptance met, and the resulting pandemonium and massacre. Welcome to the Monster of Humanity. Well said. I think it's time for our readers to learn and hear the voice of the creature on his deathbed, his final day before he had committed himself to the flames. Here is his account. Listen carefully. In the title of his works read, My Testament with a subscript engraved below, although no one heard nor cared for my voice. Here it will remain in the sheets of ice until the end of time. It appears my demise is set, the pyre to which my ashes will be brought into fruition. Not even in death shall I hope to resemble dear humanity. No one will mourn me. A horror at birth and an abhorrence at life's end, and if cruel, Cruel fate were to leave me but a mere fragment of my memory of my existence. Shall it resemble the prejudice of my interlocutors? But I am but a grotesque apparition. But he does exist. But while my image may be sustained by the actions of my hatred, I cannot deny the sentience of my being. I feel the same emotions my accusers wish to deny me, I know what it is to feel joy, despite what little I had. And the desire for familiar devotion and tenderness still burns in me now. 
It is this that drives me to write one last defense of what little dignity I believe is attributed to me. One may seem to think I am simply an animation of pure immorality and wickedness. Sadly, my dear commanders, I am a product of society. I am a creation of civilization who forced me to become the living concept of your evil. You wish to distance my blood-stained hands from your sainthood, but you cannot deny that I am humanity's child. How, you may ask, blindly to your own culpability. To such a disgraceful question, I raise the question as to the nature of a child. Shall a child be born of Satan? Born to shatter the morality of the universe? No, I was born a revolting sight, but coursing through my veins down to the core of my fractured being was a benevolent desire. Such as any child born to this earth has a father, I desired the hand of my creator to witness the smile of my formulator and his embrace. How naive was I at birth not to see the atrocity of my existence and to be utterly despondent that my creator did not love me. He despised me without question nor second thought, but I had desired the distastefulness of my appearance had such an unfortunate circumstance stripped me of my sentiment right for love and acceptance. I attempted to voice myself to attract the listeners to my pleas for welcome and love in vain. It brings me a great pain and rage to remember the unjust reaction I had to endear to the dear cottagers. I brought wood for them every day. I had learnt of their mannerisms and cultures. Shouldn't one's acceptance be in the way one acts and behaves? Not in the uncontrollable injustice of the body. They abhorred me. None could see that I, a benevolent thing, desired to love which I had fetishized from father. And could one remain civil and achieve the good in an existence of isolation and dejection? If humanity could not provide me the essentials of survival, what else could I do than deprive humanity of their essentials? So I ripped my want for love and acceptance, and I forged a crusade to avenge my putrid existence. If I could not enjoy the welcoming of a family, I would take away dear Frankenstein's family to show him a fraction of the pain inside me. Yet he still denied me my desires and my voice, so I killed his most dearest friend, Clarival, whose bantering friendship I could never possess. And then his most beloved Elizabeth, whose partnership I could not have. And once the deed had been done, my being was at its end. I was a potential host for goodness, but humanity transformed me into the monster I was condemned to be. Evil henceforth would be my good. So now, as I fan the flames of my demise, I write to humanity and to my dear Frankenstein, I am but a product of your making. I am but a forgotten part of society, reaping what you have sown. To death and beyond, and to thoughts of no more, I say a solemn goodbye and warning to all that my time is finished, but those who follow in my isolation and rejection shall, like me, unleash their due vengeance. Take a minute, my dear listeners, 
and absorb the words of the creature. Are we to blame for his rampage? For his savagery? It would seem, viewing the words of this disturbing testimony and the correlation to the manuscript from Captain Walton, that a blame on humanity may have due veracity. There is much truth that an integral part of our behavior and society norms are developed at childhood. Nurturing parents and a welcome household are critical to successfully developing a good moral character. Looking at the testament of the creature points to his anguish of his pleas for his voice to be heard. He desires Frankenstein's love. As his creator, he expected the nurturing care as any babe would. Sadly, we see he has rejected this fundamental human relationship and is left isolated and abandoned. Yet, while murdering is an inexcusable act, to look at the perspective of the monster, no one had provided him any love or attention. He was utterly dejected and deprived of any human connection or connection of any type, even to others his own kind. If he cannot sympathize with humanity, nor have any attribute of human interaction that characterizes our species, it only follows that hatred may kindle and our moral condemnation of murder forgotten. It's easy to condemn the monster for his actions and forget the idea that if a human had given him an ounce of sympathy or kindness to persuade him that humanity was worth coexisting with, it is likely the atrocities that the creature was fated to commit would have been averted. Looking at the account of Captain Walton shows another light into the reasoning of the creature. In Captain Walton's account, the creature says, You must create a female for me with whom I can live in the interchange of those sympathies necessary for my being. Frankenstein, I do not, Frankenstein then says, I do refuse it, and no tor torture shall ever extort a consent from me. You may render me the most miserable of man, but you shall never make me base in my own eyes. Shall I create another like yourself, whose joint wickedness might desolate the world? Be gone, I have answered you. You may torture me, but I will never consent. The monster responds to this by saying, You are in the wrong, and instead of threatening, I am content to reason with you. I am malicious because I am miserable. Am I not shunned and hated by all humankind? You, my creator, would tear me to pieces and triumph. Remember that, and tell me why I should pity man more than he pities me. You would not call it murder if you could pre precipitate me into one of those ice rifts and destroy my frame, the work of your own hands. I will revenge my injuries. If I cannot inspire love, I will cause fear. And chiefly towards you, my arch enemy, because my creator, do I swear inextinguishable hatred. Here we quite succinctly as to why the monster had committed his horrors. It appears to the back of the creature's last testimony. It raises an interesting question to all members of civilized society. Why should I pity man more than he pities me, the creature says. Have we given any incentive for the creature to respect and value society when society has disowned its own creation? Thank you, Alex and Kevin. My dear listeners here, you have heard our first evidence of how the creature's lost voice represents how the absence of, absence of love, respect, and approval can stem atrocious acts be performed, resulting in suffering and despair. The creature has clearly expressed his motives for his atrocities due to the lack of human sympathy and love, most specifically in his suicide notes on the lack of familial tenderness. Through the suicide note of the creature and the discussion and quisition raised by... I finished 
the episode leaving you food for thought? Could such a horror, horror have been averted?